and the Bulls were right there, obviously. When you're leading 31-20 going into the fourth quarter, you're more than right there. So many weird things happened in this game. The interesting part was just how many plays seemed to be plays that helped one team and were going to change momentum and ended up not, well, until the very end when it definitely ended up in Tulsa's favor. I'm talking about how the Bulls won the coin toss, got the ball to start the game, chose to go on offense first, and you were regretting that at halftime because of how Tulsa went in with all the momentum. And yet the defense came right out and got the ball back for the offense. Many plays like that. Of course, there was the example of the roughing the punter, which took away a kick return for a touchdown by Xavier Weaver. And yet that didn't matter because, again, the Bulls' defense for third straight, three and out, got back to the offense and they would score to take that 31-20 lead. But before we got to all of that, both teams drove down the field, settled for three points on their first drives, then the first of three turnovers forced by the Bulls, and what happened right after for the lead. First and 10 for Tulsa from their 20, and the Bulls stop the run, and the ball pops out, and I think USF has it. The Bulls have forced a fumble, and Antonio Greer has recovered it. Second and 19 from the 21. Two wide receivers left. They run it to Mangum. He's got a little room right side. Gets down to the 10. Keeps fighting, and he's down to about the five-yard line. The Bulls with a first and goal from the Tulsa one-yard line. Let's see if it's Mangum time. He's got nine of them. Direct snap as McLean goes wide right. Direct snap to Mangum. Here he goes, and there's number 10. Jaron Mangum and the Bulls have taken the lead on Tulsa. Oh yeah, I almost forgot what happened before the Greer fumble recovery, and that's the fact that the Bulls tried a fake field goal to end the first quarter, and it actually worked until Tulsa ran down the kicker of the Bulls, Spencer Schrader. But again, that play didn't hurt the Bulls because of, well, what you just heard. And oh yeah, what you just heard was a direct snap to Jaron Mangum that worked for a touchdown, which I don't think anybody had a problem with. They would have a problem with the fourth and one call later in the game. At that point, when the Bulls took that 10 to three lead, they were leading in total yards, 120 to 76. Second quarter, different story. Tulsa, 238 yards to just 20 for the Bulls. Now, it is hard to get any yards on offense when you're running back kicks for touchdown and running back pick sixes for touchdowns. Kick is away. It is Batie, two yards deep. He's coming out to the 10, to the 15, to the 20. He's got a lane, and he's got the open field, 35-40. He's into Tulsa territory. It's a foot race, Batie and the kicker. And guess what? Batie won. Touchdown, USF. Brian Batie, Bulls take the lead. Three wide receivers bunched to the left with Crawford to the right. Play clock at five. Snapped in time, high snap, Bryn pulls it down, throws and it's picked up. It's Antonio Greer. He moves past the quarterback, Bryn, and he's going to beat everybody. Touchdown, USF. Antonio Greer. The Bulls have scored on offense. They've scored on defense. They've scored on special teams. It's 23-10, to 10, USF. First of all, if you heard what sounded like some hard hands slapping there, that would have been Sam Barrington turning around and giving all of us, including our engineer, Jack Maldonado. So that would be Jack, then Jay, then Jim, then myself. These four noises. On USF, Antonio Greer. Secondly, when you're living like that, 
The only downside, as I was saying on Twitter, was the defense was getting no rest, and it looked like they were going to be okay because, and I thought this was clutch, and again, referencing the fact that when you thought something was happening in this game for one team's benefit, it wasn't because 12 plays, 68 yards, and again, the defense out there forever, and they force a 25-yard field goal. I thought that was big time. Thad Mangum got some good pressure on Davis Brim. And when they were down to the 7-yard line, it really felt like Tulsa was going to make it a 7-point game at halftime. And then, of course, get the ball to start the second half. And instead, at 24-13, with 110 on the clock, not only are you feeling good, but you're feeling like you can maybe add on a field goal and have that lead up to a full two touchdowns. As we know, the very opposite happened as Jimmy Horn was dislodged from the football on the ensuing kickoff return. And then on the very next play, give Tulsa credit, going for the throat, a 37-yard touchdown pass, and instead it's 24-20 at the half. But again, the defense would come out and get the ball right back from Tulsa. That whole end of the first half was kind of wiped away as Tulsa actually had to use a timeout. That's right, Tulsa was wasting some timeouts, and the first play for the Bulls was an 18-yard run by Jaron Mangum. You had an offsides by Tulsa on third and four, but then three passes in a row. I would question this part of the game because I thought the Bulls were actually running the ball pretty well. I know Tulsa is difficult to run the ball against, but they did go three passes in a row. Then the, again, play where Tulsa gets the break of the roughing the kicker. It was not a good play by the freshman Jaden Curry, and yet the defense holds Tulsa to two yards and sets up the offense for a big-time touchdown and the two-score lead again. Pretty good plays back-to-back here. And McLean throwing it long, going for Gregory, one-on-one coverage, and he makes the -the over-the-shoulder catch, and he stayed inbounds. What a catch by Demarcus Gregory at the nine-yard line of Tulsa. It'll set up a first and goal. McLean laid it out where only his guy could get it, but still, what a catch by Gregory. 35 yards, first and goal from the nine. Here's McLean, left side, fighting his way through. Touchdown, USF! Timmy McLean, nine yards, and the Bulls extend their lead on Tulsa. Being at the games, of course, is an advantage of what I loved from the Bulls there, and we were right next to the Tulsa coaching booth. No, I was not sneak peeking or anything like that, but they wanted a replay. I wasn't sure, no one was, that Demarcus Gregory actually got part of his body inbounds. Catch was indisputable, but did he get any part of his body inbounds? And so I saw Mitchell Brinkman on the field rushing everybody up to the line before they could show a replay. And I don't know if it was intentional in-house, but they did not show a replay. And Tulsa, remember, had already used a timeout. So their coaching staff definitely would have been up for scrutiny if the Bulls would go on to win the game because that play, I think, could have been overturned. Then again, it was really close, and either way, it was a great catch. So again, things working out in the Bulls' favor at this time as they lead it with four and a half minutes to go. And then what do you know? They go for it on fourth and six inside Bulls' territory, and this happens. Bryn to throw. Looking, looking, dumps it over the middle, and the Bulls got a hand on it. It falls incomplete. Bulls defense gets the stop again. It'll be USF football. So for all of the scrutiny over what happened on the play call at the end of the game, this is when you're supposed to win the game. You have it at your own 45-yard line. 
Timmy McLean tried a couple of runs, and to Tulsa's credit, they came in with the reputation of stopping the run twice. It sure looked like typical five to seven or even more yard runs by McLean that turned into specifically a two and a one yard run because of great effort by smashing linebackers on the other end. And then a pass intended for Jimmy Horn was broken up by Tyon Davis, who had a great game for Tulsa. And yet, you had to be feeling good how the third quarter ended because of this play. Stokes booms a punt. Bulls trying to run under it. And this thing is going to be down by Barry Hill at about the one-yard line. Beautiful job by Stokes. Barry Hill couldn't find it at first, but he was able to get it on the hop and down it. And also reestablish his position in the field of play because Barry Hill initially was in the end zone. Then, Starting off the fourth quarter at their own one-yard line and second down, I think plays that when you, again, can focus on one play at the end, it's like it was the only play that matters. But I think the Bulls just got caught up against Josh Johnson, an outstanding receiver, as he was able to sneak into spots in the zone. And on the second and 10 from the one-yard line, first play of the fourth quarter, he gets an 11-yard gain. And that began a 99-yard touchdown drive. No, we're not going to give you all the fourth quarter highlights. If you want to hear them, we've got plenty of chances that we'll replay the game. And upon further review with yours truly and Jim Lauk, that show, we give you all of the highlights. But 99-yard drive, suffice to say, is when Tulsa didn't win the game. But without it, they don't win the game, put it that way. Then the Bulls three and out. Again, USF looked okay thanks to two penalties on one play that created a third and 39 they handed off to Shamari Brooks. He actually almost got the yards if he had broken one last tackle, got 23. But because of that, Tulsa had to punt. And again, it looked like the Bulls got a break because the punt by their outstanding guy, Lachlan Wilson, hits about a half yard deep in the end zone and then actually checked back. So instead of the one-yard line, the Bulls get it on the 20. They pick up 13 yards to Demarcus Gregory. On second and 10, they get nine from Jaron Mangum. So it's third and one at their own 42. They try the direct snap to Mangum on third down, and as you know, after calling their last timeout, they tried it again on fourth down. Well, they're going. When they took the timeout, you figured they weren't going to punt it. Rashawn Yates is in the offensive backfield. McLean splits out. It's Mangum. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't like the spot. I think they're short. Really no need to replay the rest of the game. As you know what happened, Tulsa would score with 47 seconds left. I actually thought that gave the Bulls enough time when they stopped the two-point conversion. That was a big deal, but Tulsa got enough pressure on Timmy McLean, a fateful, another play, a sack, that really chewed up too much time, and the Bulls just didn't have it there. Now, fourth and one. Do you go for it? I say all day long, especially when if you get the first, you could run out the clock. Now, let me point that out. As I said on Twitter on Sunday, There were four minutes and 20 seconds after that play. If the Bulls convert, yes, the clock keeps on running, but Tulsa still has a timeout left. They could have gotten the the Bulls can't throw at that point because of the timeout situation. Tulsa would have had at least 90 seconds, maybe a little bit more than that, if the Bulls can't get another first down. So was the game over if they convert that play? Of course it wasn't. The way this was going, it was probably going to come down to the wire. It was always going to be a close game. And when there is a close game, one team's got to lose, and there's always going to be plays that get poured over, and Jeff Scott was ready for them in the post-game press conference. Gut-wrenching loss. Um, The reason it hurts uh, is not because we were up and and let it go and all that. It it hurts because our guys played their tails off. And I told our guys, 
obviously disappointed in the result. And, uh, you know, I, I take a lot of responsibility on me. There's a lot of plays we had that we could have won the game, about eight or ten of those plays. Didn't get it done. At the end of the day, that, that falls on me. Uh, but the one thing that I am very proud of is how hard our guys played. Uh, our guys did not play like a one-in-four football team that's been through what they've been through in five games. They freaking played their hearts out. And uh, at the end of the day, we, we didn't get it done at the very end uh, when we had some opportunities. Uh, but a uh, big difference from when we played these guys uh, a year ago, pretty much with the same team. And uh, we, we were in position, but we got to find a way to, to win the game. Obviously, the, the call everybody wants to talk about, which is understandable, is the fourth and one. And at the end of the day, I'm going to go down believing in our guys. And that's what it was all about. Uh, Jaron Mangum, that offensive line, had been dang good this year. And it was four minutes to go. Uh, you get the first down, feel like you win the game. And, uh, yeah, we could have punted it and, and this, that, and the other. But we said we're going to attack. Uh, we're going to be aggressive. And um, we felt like we had the right call. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't make the play uh, to get it done. you got to execute it. We didn't do that. So uh, I'll take that on me and, and on us coaches. So he put it there in the opening statement, but, of course, he was pinned down to go more into the actual play call on fourth and one. Scored on a similar play down there on whatever third one or something down there at the goal line with the ball in zero's hands. And um, we had a little bit different scheme uh, right there. And uh, we felt like uh, it's a play that's been successful for us this year. And it's a play that we felt like uh, would work against them in, in their situation. And, uh, you know, if I have anything to, to go back and uh, second guess, you know, it, it could be the call. We could probably look at that and figure out another better call. Uh, but to go for it, uh, really there wasn't there wasn't anything in my mind that said we were going to punt right there. I think it was inside a yard. It was, it was fourth and a foot. You know, at the end of the day, we all thought that was the best call, and uh, we didn't execute it. So uh, it wasn't the best call because we couldn't execute it. You will get much more from the coach today on the football radio show. We recorded early in the afternoon, and we'll debut it for you at 6 o'clock on Monday night. I did want to play some post-game comments from Antonio Greer. First of all, you can tell how emotional he was. Second, I love what he finishes up with here because it's probably just a vocal minority Twitter, right? But people just got really, really ugly after this game, you know, just smashing whoever they could smash. I heard that players were said bad things by some of the fans at Raymond James Stadium, but a lot was going on the coaching staff. You know, if the Bulls convert that play, which, again, worked for a touchdown— then it's, yeah, they knew we were going to run the ball and they couldn't stop it. Same thing, by the way, happened at BYU on the fourth down play. You know, just throwing that out there. But instead it goes from, yeah, to, you know, these guys can't coach. I'm not saying everybody's saying that. Again, vocal minority. But some of the things I saw on Twitter was, you know, how just moribund the entire athletics program is, which is so ridiculous, obviously. Do you watch any other sports besides football? conference championships you don't need me to tell you all that's going on at usf athletics but antonio greer will go ahead and do it and i love this excuse my my voice um yes um i I did we we as a team um we took an extra step extra step watched a little bit more film um a lot of communication um especially playing middle backer i've seen that play a million times and nc state ran it on us and i was just ready for it Antonio, when you hit the practice field again, what do you want to see out of this team? Hunt. We just go hunt. Pin our ears back and hunt every day. You know, this week of practice was tremendous. Got in turnovers. We did the extra. Stayed out to practice and worked a little bit harder. 
last year's team and this year's team is he's right. Like, it's completely different. Seeing it from a player standpoint, the locker room atmospheres, the, the facility atmosphere, it's completely different. You know, even the other teams, the soccer team, the volleyball team, like we go out and support them, and they come out and support us. Like the whole atmosphere of USF athletics is tremendously well, and I commend Coach Scott and Michael Kelly and all those top dogs. That's that's pulling that out of us. So. Dwayne Boyles was similarly emotional after the game. And again, the Bulls really, really fought their hearts out, as you heard their head coach say, but lose it 32-31. to 31. We don't talk about point spreads on this show. It doesn't affect my outlook on sports, but I did notice that the Bulls are actually picked to defeat Temple, so there's a positive sign for you, and that'll be this Saturday at 7 o'clock.